everybody and welcome to episode 13 of Curiosity Killed the Rat. My name is Matt. I'm not a scientist, but I am a large scientist enthusiast. And today... Scientist enthusiast. Hey, well, I like science and I like the people who study it, you know? You wouldn't have science without people studying it. You know what? It's the people that make up the knowledge. Well, we don't make it up, otherwise it would be lies, not lollies. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's called pee hacking and we don't like it. Pee hacking? Um, Oh, it's where people will will fudge their results slightly. So the p-value, right, in science is, is a very big thing because that's like the significance, right? So if you get a p-value of it's normally less than 0.05, that means that your result is significant. It's a statistical measure. Right. And it's called p-hacking where people like fudge their results in, in various ways to try and nudge the p-value into what's called significance because there's a whole issue with, you know, it's much easier to publish when you have significant results than non-significant it's a whole thing you it's scientists not ethical. are it's very bad bunch. you, you well, people even a... photoshop stuff like oh it's like God. oh i don't like yeah. this band on this gel i'm just gonna cover it with a white box it's not there that's, yeah oh people, that's like, unfortunate you can get angry uh yeah it's i was gonna say you can get angry at scientists but it's the institution it's it's the whole it's the whole publish or perish it's, it's the, the system whole, yeah yeah but also it's, it's the, a pressure cooker you know the people mm. it's the system but then people who do p hacking sorry but i don't really respect you um I actually mean, i'm not enough. sorry i'm not sorry i don't, don't apologize you. for not respecting Bad people science. who disrespect the system or cause the, the, the system, system that fail. is yes it is a broken system but but respected anyway 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 none of that is the point of today um yeah so i'm kate i'm a neuroscientist um normally the the regular podcast the regular podcast the regular scientist on this podcast but today i'm super excited we've got a special guest here we have catriona who is an immunologist who is here to share all of her knowledge well maybe not all of her knowledge i feel like katrina you've got a lot of knowledge yeah and how, how have long have you got to share all of it well generally we go for about an hour can you feel <laughs> that time yeah just all of your knowledge starting now go <laughs> no katrina hi we're so excited to have you on board today yeah thanks for coming how on. are you how's it going good good i'm excited to be here and it's also nice to talk to humans what we're yeah lockdown. even though you know we're, we're all in a Zoom call, which like, okay, all three of us are in the same country right now. We're all in Australia. And in fact, two of us are in the same city right now. Katrina and I are both in Melbourne, but we're in three different stages of lockdown thanks mm-hmm. to COVID. Like how wild is that? That blows my mind that we're in like, because, you know, Melbourne's currently locked down some postcodes and not others. So Katrina, you're in more of a lockdown than I am. And then Matt over in WA, you're all pretty much lockdown free now, aren't you? Yeah, we are pretty much lockdown three free. I think we've gone into stage uh, three or four. Some I I can't remember, but most businesses have opened back up and stuff like that. But still, um, social distancing rules and laws are applying, and you still have to sign in in some places, and you still have to like sanitize after you use things and stuff. Like where I work, we've just opened up. I work at a movie theater, and we're still enforcing some. 
uh, kind of checkerboard style seating where you're, we're only selling tickets for every second seat to make sure that people don't yeah, sit okay. next to each other. I was other. wondering about that. Um, but unless but still, you're... even every second seat, that's not a meter and a half. Well, meter it's, and a we're half selling is every like... second seat, but if you're like in a party of four or something like that, you guys can all sit together. So it generally means that different clumps will be like more mm. than one seat apart. Like it's only going to be people actually sitting every second seat if we get a sellout. And we're not selling out anything because the movie industry died during COVID. So no hmm. new yeah, movies no one's around. even releasing so movies. We're getting like yeah. total admits of the day of like less than 50. So it's not like that's going to be an issue for us anyway. Mm. Um, and then when where I am, it, it feels like it takes another meaning or uh, well, it, it gives another meaning to the why did the chicken cross the road joke? I'm like, well, to to get out of lockdown because I can see the people on the other side of the street in the odd numbers and they're all doing whatever they want. <laughs> How funny is that, that you're you're on one of those streets that's one one postcode on one side, different postcode on the other side. You mm. just happen to have the short straw of being on the locked down side of the road. Oh, that's rough, buddy. Man. It's unfortunate. It really is. We're going to talk about exercise. As far as I'm aware, right, Catriona, we're going to be talking about exercise, which for me, anyone that knows me in like... IRL. Uh, anyone that knows me in the real world, in real life, knows that, like, you know, aside from science and and probably musical theatre, my biggest, you know, hobby thing that I'm enthusiastic about and do with my spare time is exercise. Um, You're a goddamn gym junkie. I am, though. And, you know, that's because exercise is good for you. And I could spend a whole hour ranting about all the great things exercise does for your body and for your brain and for your everything. But one thing I know literally nothing about, and that's why I'm so actually, like, excited for this episode, is the effect that exercise has on your immune system and immune function and immune anything. I, I genuinely don't know. And that's, you did your honors in this, if I'm correct, Katriona. Um, so it wasn't my honors. It was um, oh, wasn't? a no. separate research project that I did at Sunshine Hospital. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. So that was with Victoria University. Um, I, I really love exercise as well. And I was working with um, another immunologist who also, you know, he, he was like full on gym junkie kind of thing. Um, mm. And so the two of us are kind of just working on this project going like, oh, what are the results going to be? That's really cool. I tell me what, well, okay. I was going to say just what were the results, but first of all, just like <laughs> what, not even necessarily what was the project, just like, I don't know. Tell just me, me what, <laughs> just tell me things, give me facts. I want to learn. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm waiting. Um, all right. So, so basically there has been this overarching hypothesis in immunology, um, talking about an open window. So what that's sort of saying is that there's a short period of time or a window of time in which exercise dampens the immune system. By dampens, oh, do you okay. mean makes worse or makes better? Makes worse. Okay. So immunosuppression. Why, why would, just sorry to interrupt you, Katrina, I just need to roast my brother for a hot sec. Why would dampen mean gets better? I don't know. <laughs> In make- what world would dampen the immune system possibly mean gets mean, better? It just makes it like chill out a bit, you know, makes it not overact <laughs> as much, just make it feel more comfortable in its own body. Just, you know, hey man, just, just dampen out a little, you know? Well, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I, um, I. <laughs> It was sorry. Um, logic Continue. There. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Dampen doesn't necessarily inherently mean do bad things, you know? Like. No, it just means, you know, anyway, whatever. <laughs> Katrina, keep talking. 
Um, yeah. So, so the reason why <laughs> the reason why that came about is that um, a couple of studies. So, like back in the nineteen eighties, um, one of the first studies was looking at. Um, the rate of upper respiratory tract infection among athletes who ran an ultra marathon. And basically they were mm-hmm. saying that people who ran the marathon had more chance of, of getting an upper re- respiratory tract infection and mostly viral. So like mostly it was the cold, um, the common mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas people who were the same age, sex and basically sort of same similar lifestyle they Mm -hmm. didn't have as high of a rate of getting respiratory tract infections. So that's kind of where the premise came about that the more exercise you do or or at least like if you're doing intense exercise, you're going to be more likely to get a cold. Right. Mm. So is this like, is this like a, you know, you said that 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 was the idea came from that study. Is this still kind of the theory that, that, you know, this is still believed that, um, because I know that's definitely something your, that we you know, used to get told as kids is that if we get sick, really? the last thing you should do is, you know, go and exercise because you need to rest and you need to give your body the energy to allow itself to recover. Like if your energy is going to exercise But this is kind of the other way around. Than the immune system, then... This is the other way around, though. This is no, like if you people, exercise, then sorry, I, I might. Yeah, have when when you exercise, when you exercise, it makes your immune system worse and therefore you're more likely to get sick so it's the other way around it's it's the exercise is leading to the illness not you know you shouldn't exercise after acquiring the illness because you Mm -hmm. need to recover from said illness it's been really hard to kind of say well what's the overall effect of exercise because so many studies have used different forms of exercise so you know they're well, not necessarily yeah, that's the other thing right there's like you know aerobic exercise anaerobic like there's resistance mm. there's you know all sorts of exercise that all have vastly different effects on you know the body um but no, okay, I'm 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 caught up on this, you know, ultra marathon. Not that I have ever run an ultra marathon, um, to to be clear, but I do I, I am an endurance athlete, you know, I do triathlon, mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of running at the moment. You know, You've done is, a few half Ironman in your thing. time as well. I've done one or one or seven. Um and like, you know, and growing up as a teenager, like I was I was a cyclist. That's what I was, a road cyclist, endurance cyclist. I spent so much of my time just like riding a goddamn bike um but also I used to get sick all the time like I I seriously I would get colds all the time I would you know I just assumed my immune system was crap and I never because you know I you know exercise is good for you right that's that's what we get told (laughs) exercise makes you healthy so but like what I am now hearing is that is it like do you reckon do you like solve my whole life? Here's my childhood. Here's my life story. When I was a I'm child, I'm not a psychologist. No, but, <laughs> or psychiatrist. Okay. But in, like, you're an immunologist, and I want to know: yeah. was it because I was training all the time? Is that why I got sick all the time? Yeah. Or, or, so, or am I just like turning this all into being about me because that's the sort of egomaniac that I am? Well, look, um, not everything's <laughs> about you, but um, <laughs> but this could be this, right. So. Right? That, that study that I mentioned, that that was ultra marathons, but then um, a study afterwards looking at people who were only doing 5K or 10K, like they didn't see that um, big increase in risk of getting respiratory tract infections. But 
in in terms of what's actually going on in the body. So if you don't think about infection, if you just look about the look at the function of the immune system, um, mm-hmm. another reason why we thought okay, so so there's like this this time window or open window where you are more susceptible to infection and you have a weakened immune system. Mm-hmm. Some of the most reproducible studies to date looking at the effect of exercise on the immune system have been looking at T cells and um, similar sorts of cells. Mm-hmm. So um, T cells and B cells, they're kind of like, I think of them as snipers of the immune system. They um, take the their time to set up. The immune system is so hardcore. Yeah, like oh I'm gosh. just going to, you so know, complex. the brief thing that I've done, like, and, you know, we've got like natural killer cells. I think in yeah, a previous oh yeah, episode I, I started yeah, talking no, about natural brought, killer cells and up. I was like, that's so, such a metal name, but also just like. Snipers is a good analogy. Like the immune system is just hardcore as heck. Anyway, yeah. sorry, continue. Snipers, well, so B cells, nat- T cells. Natural killer cells and B cells and T cells. So snipers that take time to set up, but they're very good at effectively eliminating, you know, a specific target. That's why I kind of think that they're snipers. Mm-hmm. Um, right, yeah, yeah. They, especially the, the T cells and the natural killer cells that you mentioned, um, immediately after exercise, you have more of them in your blood okay. and their killing capacity is this like is, is this better. still just the the ultra marathon type exercise or are we talking so like any this is, exercise this now? is mostly aerobic so um cycling mm-hmm. um like so what i was doing when i was mm-hmm. um running this study i was getting people to cycle on um one of those stationary bikes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but yeah, mostly it was aerobic exercise that kind of triggers this and several different types of exercise have been shown to trigger this. So basically yeah, okay. what you get is you get a spike. You've got heaps of immune cells circulating around your blood um, immediately after exercise and they're really good at killing what they should be killing. But mm-hmm. then as you recover, so several hours after you've exercised, they've dropped. So you've got fewer in your blood than you started with and they're not mm-hmm. as good at fighting. So you end up with just like this this drop after you've had this peak. Yeah. So it's mm. like spike, drop, and then it it slowly increases again and takes about 24 hours to get back up to normal. Right, okay. Can I That's ask a potentially dumb question? No such thing as dumb so, questions. Yeah. This is science. Yeah. No, this is this is pure speculation from from me just just hearing what you're saying. So it's in the blood, right, that, that these these drop. Would that mm. be because, like, when you exercise, like, when you exercise, you're you're tearing your muscles to shreds, essentially. Like, that's what exercise is, right? Like, mm. we, we do squats to, like, rip our muscles apart so that we can build them back bigger and stronger than they ever were before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, are these immune cells, like, leaving the blood to, like, go to the muscles and, and make them stronger? Or are they, like, where are they going like what's are they dying are they like what's like what are they doing that's actually um a hypothesis that i was wondering like do do they go into the muscles because you're absolutely right Mm. like the muscles are a site of injury like after exercise yeah yeah um but yeah that that is a thing so everyone was just like when you're testing humans the easiest sample for you to take from a human is blood like yeah you can't ask someone for their muscle you can't really take a muscle chunk out of someone um, you can out of out of out of rats, right? Or yeah, mice, so or... but they're they're not humans. Um, yeah. So, I mean, people were looking at this. They were, they were seeing the spike and then the drop in the blood. But mm-hmm. um, 
you're absolutely right. They're probably going to other tissues. Um, so muscle is one, but then another study that more recently came out, which is actually pretty exciting is that, um, potentially they well, especially in cancer patients, they exit the blood. These immune cells are exiting the blood and some of them are going towards the tumour. So it's kind of just like oh. a, an enhanced, oh, suddenly we've got more immune cells in the site of the tumour. Can they then fight it? Mm. Will they be yeah. better at fighting it? But then in that recovery, if there's the drop-off, does that mean there are less there now healing it than there would have been before? Well, no, it's the drop-off in the blood. So mm. they're leaving the blood. Oh, where I are they going? Now. They're going right. to the tumour. That's what yeah. the mystery is. We don't know where they go after it drops out of the blood. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. following now. So okay. does the drop does the drop actually mean that someone is well, I mean, they're probably more susceptible to like picking up infections or whatever if there's less mm. in the blood, but like are they actually weaker after exercise or does the spike in the blood and then it going to the, you know, the tumour or the whatever, mm. is that actually then beneficial maybe to these mm. patients? I don't know. This is all me just like speculating. Anything I say is mm. not, I have not read any of the literature. Just want to disclaimer that for anyone listening. <laughs> I mean, um, I have yeah. some potential anecdotal evidence, you know, scientists' favourite type of evidence is to... Oh, yeah, go on, <laughs> go on. Give us your science, Matt. Um, well, just even in my share house, right? Um, one of my housemates, he goes for a run pretty much every day. And whenever like someone's gotten sick in the house, you know, like pre COVID and all that, um, every one of us gets sick, right? That's share houses for you. Like I usually get sick as well, but not this guy. He never gets yeah. sick because whenever he feels himself starting to get sick, he just goes for a run, goes for a massive run, tries to like, you know, sweat it all out of him. And I've never once seen him sick, even when every single one of us has been sick as a dog in the house. So I, I think it also depends on your endurance. Like if you're mm. only going for a run when you're like, oh, I'm about to get sick, then that's potentially not a good thing because mm. it, it's it's sort of about a balance. Right. So. I think otherwise he does ho- run every day. It's not just for the... Uh, okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, sorry. No, I, I cut you off. <laughs> I need to run away from the illness. <laughs> Literally Run, running away running from Running away cold. from your problems. <laughs> <laughs> there there were several studies that were looking at, okay, let's just look at elite athletes and are they more likely to get sick during their intense training periods? And studies looking at swimmers and track and field athletes said yes. So when they're more intensely training they're more likely to catch a cold and um, potentially what that is because, you know, we're we're still getting to the bottom of, okay, where are these immune cells going in that drop? But if you think about a drop and then it taking about 24 hours to come back up to normal, if you start that cycle again before you've gone back Mm, up to your normal baseline, it might just keep getting lower and lower. So the reason your housemate never gets sick makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was I was just then gonna follow up with though, but like endurance. So the the more you exercise and like if you if you do train, but just you know sort of slowly build up your capacity. Um, overall, the effects are, are beneficial. So you know all these studies saying, oh no, like we're dampening our immune systems. They're sort of looking at one offs, if that makes sense. Like right. whereas mm-hmm. if you if you take all the data and look at you know, a longer period of time as your fitness level increases, mm. you know, that affects you less. 
That makes sense because I guess the um like the if if the examples of people who are reporting these sicknesses from exercising, you're going for like elite athletes, ultra marathon runners. That's they're doing mm. a lot more exercise and physical activity and they're doing it a lot more frequently than the average person is going to do. Like going for a well, run yeah. every day is very, very different from, from intensely training for a sport at an elite level. Yeah. What, like when I was in the peak of my training, I was training twice a day, 17 hours a week. Like there was no, there was no downtime. Like, like that's to, so much more exercise know. than even like a very fit individual who's not a professional athlete would be doing. Like even if you're. Oh yeah. It's batshit insane. Yeah. Like I don't recommend it to anyone. Uh, <laughs> like exercise I recommend, but not, not yeah. that. That's, that's too much. Not extreme. Um, yeah. And, and there was another study looking at, um, so we produce antibodies constantly and antibodies are, are kind of what the B cells make. So they're also very specific against, you know, a particular virus or bacteria or whatever. Um, and we have particular antibodies in our saliva and people were looking at cross-country skiers and I think a couple of other sports, but I can't remember exactly which sports, so I don't want to be quoted, but definitely cross-country skiing. So they found that um, the amount of antibodies that people had in their saliva after cross-country skiing was down by 20%. Um, Interesting. And another study found that too. But then a study after that was like, hang on, but I think you've also got less saliva. So maybe it's the quantity of saliva, not the quality of saliva. It wasn't so much like, you know, the density of antibodies per drop of saliva went down. Mm. It was like raw numbers of interesting. Yeah. So that's why I say like, you know, we mm. had this hypothesis. We're just not a hundred percent sure, you know, is this open window period of a suppressed immune system actually a real thing? Um, because mm. we kind of have to go back over all the studies that have been done and kind of, you know, pull them apart and go, okay, what are they actually looking at here? Yeah. Right. Okay. I think it's a very good example of one of those, of like, you know, science gets raw data, but then like the real, the real stuff comes from how scientists interpret that data. Right. And that's, mm. you know, where the conclusions come from. And this, there's so many cases in, in history where we've interpreted certain results one way only to later realize that we were so very wrong. Like, mm. Yeah, so could this be then one of those things where it's like, okay, so we're seeing a drop in antibodies, we're seeing, you know, a drop in immune cells in the blood, etc. But does that actually mean that our immune system is not working as well? Or does it mean these you know good healing antibodies are not in the blood because they're in the places doing their job and healing yeah. and anteing the bodies? And Antying the bodies? Is that yes. what antibodies do? Do they anti the body? I think an- I think you'll find antibodies actually help our body um, against antigens. And just call them bo- the, call them pro bodies. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Why are they called antibodies? Do you know this? Do you know the answer to why someone decided to call antibodies antibodies? Because it if really not, doesn't make no. sense to me. If they're not anti the body, then like, what's the, no, ed- what's anti- the etymology the of antigen. this name? Yeah, they're so anti- they should antigens. be like a progen. They should be progens. Is what they should be. <laughs> Because they're anti antigens. So, Antibot- anyway, we're call, not here to just discuss scientific Stop with the double positive <laughs> negative things. Just call them gens. You know, why do we need the prefixes? <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've got antigens and gens. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, well, <laughs> I, I, I think I think you can't just 
do that because T cells also see antigens. So it's antibodies against antigens, right. but also T cells against antigens. So, okay. you know, oh, names, nomenclature. <laughs> but actually, I, I was thinking on your question earlier of, and, and when you were talking about, okay, so is it, you know, should I not be going to exercise when I'm sick or is it, you know, if I exercise, I'm going to be more likely to get sick. Mm. Um, one study that kind of looked at, all right, what is what is going on? What what's happening with this increased risk? They were looking at the risk four weeks before people were going to run a race, and then they looked mm-hmm. two weeks after. And what they found was, mm-hmm. you know, potentially it's it's not that you're more likely to get an infection; you're actually just more likely to reactivate an infection that you had. Right. But also the thing is, if you are running a marathon or a race, you're surrounded by a lot more people. (laughs) So your chance of infection just goes up anyway, just because there are more people around. There's so Mm. many different variables and things that haven't been taken into account in these previous studies that probably Mm. are affecting it. We've seen during this pandemic how huge of a factor being surrounded by people is yeah when it comes to these oh, sorts and, of things you know marathons and and races and stuff they're like i can't i genuinely cannot imagine doing a triathlon like at the moment it's just such a wild concept to me because you just you're so there's Packed. people everywhere like mm. in the swim you get like whacked in the face by other people because people are like swimming over the top mm. of each other to try like you know it's just it's just wild and yeah, like I can definitely see how, yeah, if, you know, someone's got a cold, that's the whole bloody peloton's going to end up with that cold. So the bottom line. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want a bottom line. Um, I don't necessarily want a bottom line, but I'm just, so does exercise, is exercise good or bad for <laughs> you? What I've taken system? from it is I don't that, know. Well, I I'm think that's so what I've still... taken from it is that science doesn't know, right? We had a hypothesis mm. where we thought that you become a little bit, weaker immediately after exercise making you more susceptible to infection but now we're kind of like hey the variables were off in all of those experiments Mm. so we don't really know for sure but we know moderate and regular exercise is good for you increases your fitness which means in the long run that's probably gonna prevent your risk of infection it's only really if you're doing like intense shit all the time that you might get more infected but we don't know why yet because we don't have all the info well, you've just summarized. I'll, I'll just, I'll just go. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, awesome. Um, <laughs> <Mic drop. laughs> that was um, my takeaway from it. Yeah. Well, basically with, with acute exercise. So when we're talking about like, you know, the, the short term effects. Yeah. No, we, we don't really know, but coming back to your point before about, um, Kate, when you were, when you were roasting Matt about, um, <laughs> the dampening thing, I did yeah. say, Oh, I'll come back to this. Oh yeah. Um, mm. So another study was looking at contact sensitivity. So that's basically allergy to things that you're putting on your skin and Mm -hmm. couldn't really do it in humans so much, um, ethics and all. Right, that that pesky little thing. (laughs) But you you know how I said, you know, the acute effects, like when when you're looking at a cellular level, um, you are kind of getting a, a, a slight dampening of, of the response. There were animals that were less likely to um, react to things, like have an allergic reaction to things 
to things that were being put on their skin after they'd exercised. Mm. So maybe that dampening kind of is a good thing in that sense. Yeah, no, true, because that's that's what an allergic response is essentially, right? It's when your immune system is overreacting. Overshoots. Yeah. So an allergy is a little isn't, overachiever. I thought allergies were a case of like it's something that your immune system can't handle, so you get the effects of it, whereas otherwise a normal person wouldn't. Is no, an allergy it's, it's when, the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah, an allergy. I mean, there there are different. We've said that the immune system's complicated, and then there are different causes of allergies and like different types of immune cells like driving it but basically it's when the immune system sees something and it's like oh my gosh this is a threat it's like pollen it's not a threat but mm. the immune system thinks it it's is like anxiety but it. physical <laughs> right <laughs> like anxiety is your brain going oh this this very you know innocuous thing is is a threat let's panic Right. Uh, it's the immune system being like, oh, this piece of pollen, it gonna kill us. Let's like, you <laughs> so, know. Yeah. So if we've told react. our immune system to dampen, to, you know, chill out a little, mm. then you don't have as you many allergic reactions, thus it being a good thing. Oh, now, science. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Mm, it feels good. I will concede <laughs> that you may have found a linguistic loophole. However. <laughs> My favorite type of loophole. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. that's really interesting. That so interesting. so so okay, this is this is now a very very big jump from there, but can we make exercise programs to cure people of their anaphylaxis? Oh, oh anaphylaxis is different to contact sensitivity. Like a skin yeah, allergy okay. is different to you going to die if you eat this peanut. <laughs> right. All right, let's let's go with let's go with a contact um sensitivity then. what about hay fever right <laughs> i get hay fever really badly like springtime i'm a sneezing blubbering mess i'm rubbing my eyes to the point where i need correct yeah surgery. you do get it bad it's, it's um, quite entertaining so c- could exercise theoretically hypothetically mm. do something mm. to aid with the treatment of hay fever outside of taking antihistamines all the time well, again, that's not really like a skin allergy. So that's not, you know, something that you're putting on your skin as an antigen um, to, <laughs> to then stimulate oh. the immune system. Um, but, I mean, you know, on one side we're looking at, oh, exercise is great because if you're getting immune cells going to tumours and fighting tumours, that can help with mm. cancer. But then now on the flip side we're also saying, oh, can it also in some cases dampen the immune system to then not get an overreaction and allergy. So I, I think um, right, yeah, you kind of really need to look at specific things like what workouts or what kinds of exercise and what amounts of exercise yeah. result mm. in each of these things. Um, but overall, like, um, I mean, good for cancer patients, also good for vaccines. Um, people have looked at the short-term effects of, of you know, exercising, right after having a vaccine and whether you're just working out your arms. So, you know, if you're doing more than your one push up in <laughs> however long you said you hadn't done a push up for. Um, so with push ups or even just general aerobic exercise, um, you improve your response. To, well, you, you improve the antibodies that you're producing in response to a vaccine, which is a good thing because you want antibodies mm. to um, fight any bacteria or virus that comes along later. 
Um, and even people who are more active. So when they were looking at 60-year-olds at least, um, those 60-year-olds who are more active had better responses to vaccines. So maybe hmm. exercise in so the overall, long run the, is good. The overall message is that exercise, well, not maybe. I mean, okay, maybe in terms of immune function, but the overall message that I want to... Exercise wanna, is good, just don't overdo it. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's, you know... And that's not a good just message in, for immune. life, right? Yeah. Right? That's, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you don't want to end up with overtraining syndrome and not able to get out of bed for several months. It's not a good time. Definitely <laughs> not speaking from any personal experience in my past. Um, <laughs> cough, cough. Uh, it's that sarcasm I hear. Oh, cough, cough. Hold on now. <laughs> Sorry, oh, no. cough, cough into my elbow. No, but exercise is great. I just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting you know, the the fact that it might dampen the immune system and whether that's a good or a bad thing, you know, seems ambiguous at this point. But I just want anyone listening to to really know that overall, right, exercise is beneficial. Um, mm. And like you said, you know, long term, it's been shown to be beneficial as long as you don't burn yourself out. The key part in any training program is is the recovery part. So you've got to you've got to find that balance. But Exercise is great. It's great for your brain. It's great for your body. It's great for your mood. Whenever I actually do your, it, I feel better. You know, it's just the mm, the the getting right. to that stage, you know? I'm starting to get back into exercise routine. I think when I said it before, we weren't recording yet. I did my, my first push-ups today for the first time in a few months, and it felt <laughs> good. Even though I didn't do too much today, the fact that I actually did some at all mm. is better than not that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something is better than nothing. Something For... is always better than nothing. Well, no, unless that something is a lot of thing. <laughs> then that something isn't something. It's lots of things. Okay, now it? now no we're just getting something. convoluted. And oh, we're, we're getting caught like in the the the, the nomenclature trap. Semantics again. of the no no. The I'd what? say it's probably the nomenclature. How do you pronounce it? Not nomenclature. 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 Oh, I didn't even realize <laughs> that's the word you wanted to pronounce. Oh shit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> etymology I know that word that means word history right? yeah what, what does that mean Matt Et- etymology I think it's like the study of words or the history of words and what makes up words ology means study so ciao. <laughs> you heard it here folks first guys oh I tried to make fun of you and then I stumbled over my words and I just mm. lost all credibility that I had going into that roast so I must quit now funny how the universe do you like that Right? Mm-hmm. Karma's only a bitch if you are, and I was trying to be a bitch, and karma got me. Okay, before we shuffle along to our listener question, which is, you know, also relevant to exercise, because we're just on a bit of a, like, exercise theme today, because exercise is great, and it's one of the few things that, you know, Katriana, you're still allowed out of the house to exercise. Yep, um, it's the only reason I can leave the house, pretty much. I can't, I, mm. like, I'm mostly working from home, and I can't go shopping for food every day. <laughs> Mm. Oh, I swear I just need, I just need that one, that one thing from the shops. I just, it's, it's, a, no. Um, and also you probably don't want to be going to the shops in a hotspot no, really. suburb all too regularly. Um, but no, before we shuffle on to our listener question, I just want to, I don't know, give you, give you, I don't want to say last chance because that sounds very <laughs> dramatic, but I genuinely can't think of any other way to phrase it. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with it and say like last chance of like. Give you one more opportunity. Well, yeah. Anything that, else. That, that seems like a softer phrasing. 
one more opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. One moment. <laughs> Would you capture it? Would well, just let it slip? No. Mom, spaghetti! Well, if this is um, my last chance to ever, ever say it. Is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, talk about that we haven't that we, we haven't gotten to yet or that you haven't had a chance to to bring up or, you know? So, you know how I said that um, exercise overall in your lifetime is, you know, increasing the ability of your immune system. And an interesting artifact of aging that is mm. coming to light is the fact Listen that up, some of... <laughs> I'm not that old. You're older than me. I'm a year older than you, so it's all good. You'll never not (laughs) be older than me, so. I'm not the oldest on the podcast right at this very moment, therefore I'm still youthful. You're the middle child of the podcast. That's worse. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm still in my mid-20s and I'm not a fan of that. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. An artifact of ageing. Yeah, is that um, some of your immune cells, you you might... um, lose some immune cells um, or their functionality is is more of mm-hmm. kind of an issue. But um, so we kind of call that immune aging. But mm-hmm. a thing, the thing about exercising and because this is kind of a new field, like the whole idea of an aging immune system is, is quite new. So mm. pairing that with exercise is very, very new. But yeah. Um, people have sort of started looking at this and it seems like um, people who have a more active lifestyle have, um, I don't know, it, 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 they, they might have less of an ageing population of immune cells, which is kind of interesting. Right. So similar um, to like what happens in the brain, right? Because like exercise is, is well known to be protective. Like, you know, we, we know that exercise causes or, or, you know, helps facilitate neurogenesis in places like the hippocampus, um, you know, places that are very, you know, when, when you age, this is where neurodegeneration tends to happen. And so exercise is therefore protective against like this, this aging neurodegeneration in the brain Hmm. because it helps like, so like similar thing, I guess, in the immune system, right? It's, it's protective against these things that naturally happen to our body when we age, if we stay active, you know, it doesn't happen as much. So you're um, you're protecting that loss of immune competency. So really, Matt, what I'm hearing is that if we look at all the exercise I've done over my life and all the exercise you've done over your life, I'm actually younger than you. That's what I. That's what I took. <laughs> your away immune from that. system is younger. <laughs> yes, but we can also have brain. a look at the intensity and the frequency in which you did that exercise and all of the adverse yeah, health true. effects. And I definitely fell into that camp you of went into. don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's you not just look just at like me the previous studies, there are a lot of variables there that remain unchecked, <laughs> so you can't draw those conclusions. Okay, you just no, potentially so have else. a lot more naive immune cells. Mm. Yeah, that, my immune cells. I'm a are very wiser. naive person. <laughs> so, well, we call them memory. That you've you've got more memory. <laughs> With that, I think we should shuffle ourselves along to our listener question, which is which is also related to exercise. So, like, I'm I'll I'll answer this because I well I did some reading to look up the answer to this, but like. Katriona, feel free to weigh in with any thoughts or feelings or emotions you have at any given point in time, if you have any. Um, so Nigel, Nigel sent us a question that was, so I have a question about muscle memory. Is muscle memory just the neural pathways reactivating and then firing the muscles? Or is it that the muscles actually remember that they used to be strong in that particular activity? 
So that's the question. And so there's a few things, you know, to break down in there. First of all, I want to address this idea of muscle memory. If you haven't heard of muscle memory before, what's actually interesting is when I started to look into it, muscle memory in, in, you know, the scientific world is actually like a, a sort of colloquial phrase that refers to two entirely sort of separate phenomenon in the body so like first of all we have and and you know so Nigel's question was you know is it the neural is it a neural thing or or is it the muscles and the answer is it's actually it's actually both so so there's muscle memory that has like a neurological basis and then there's muscle memory that kind of has a a muscular basis i feel like that Um, makes sense right because it's in the name it's both muscle and memory you know well yes but then both both things separately are regarded as muscle memory right i see so okay, let's let's look at the neurological sort of neuro neuro basis one. So first, so muscle memory. So when we do an activity or do a, perform a skill, perform an activity like like riding a bike, right? You know, you know the phrase that everyone's like, oh, it's just like riding a bike because yeah. the idea is if you learn to ride a bike as a kid, even if you don't ride a bike for like several years, you can jump back on a bike as an adult and you will pick it up far more easily than you did with the first time you learned it because mm-hmm. it's, you know, your muscle memory and, you know, musicians use it a lot in terms of like, if you, if you learned an instrument as a kid and pick it back up, you've got muscle memory in terms yeah. of like remembering mm-hmm. the, the, you know, fingering patterns for certain notes. And it, it kind of gets to a point like, you know, you're like, well, both of you, you're both musicians. Like when you're playing something, mm. You know, when you get to a certain level of competency, you're not thinking about, okay, I need to put my fingers in this particular position to hit this note or this chord. Like, you just do it. You just, it just play. It's, it's yeah. you know, you it's like your muscles it more as kind of have like, oh, my hands memory. go here in this bit, not, oh, I need to play this in this bit. You yeah. Yeah. And so that that might, in a sense, feel like your muscles have the memory, but that that's all in your brain. So so what happens when we learn a movement pattern and we learn a particular skill or movement, like riding a bike or you know like a tennis serve or a dance move or whatever? The more you do that, the more your brain gets good at remembering that particular activity. So we form these little like, you know, circuits, we, we store them. It kind of gets written into our brain, right? These certain movement patterns or these motor patterns. And the more we perform them over and over again, the more refined these connections get and the more efficient and the more sort of ingrained, right? So then you can go years without riding a bike. And then when you go to do it again, instead of forming these movement patterns again for the first time, we can kind of just dig up the archives and go, oh yeah, it might be a little dusty at first, but it, but it's there and you, you learn it quicker. And, and so you kind of, you know, that, that sort of muscle memory and that, you know, in terms of exercise and fitness, like, well, I mean, riding a bike, but say like doing a squat, right. is a very specific technique that you have to learn the first time, but then mm. you don't train for a bit. You come back, your, your body sort of is much better at that technique and, and you've got the muscle memory and that's, that's the brain. Okay. However, there's also a form of muscle memory where say you go to the gym quite consistently, quite regularly for several months, several years, and you, you get, you get swole, you get huge, you're going, you're lifting weights, you're building muscle mass, right? You're big mm-hmm. and you're muscly. Then say you don't go, you like, you stop training, like maybe you got an injury, so you can't train for several months. Maybe you just got busy, you lost motivation. I don't know, COVID happened and all the gyms closed. Mm-hmm. Who knows? For some reason you stop training for several months and, and your muscles are going to shrink, right? We all know that when you stop exercising, they shrink. Yep. Now this really cool thing happens that when you go back to the gym, 
and you, you hit those. So even like, say maybe you were doing squats the first time and that's what made your quads huge. Even if you go back and you do, I don't know, leg extensions or leg press and you're not, you're not doing squats. So it's not a neurological, it's not a movement pattern thing. Your quads are going to get huge again, a lot quicker than they did the first time. Like you're going to regain that muscle mass significantly faster than you did the first time. And that for, for ages, we were still just like, oh, it's still, it's neurological. There's no, there's no muscle, like, sorry, there's no memory in muscles, like blah, blah, blah. But then there was this study that came out in 2010 that kind of like shook the game entirely and changed our understanding. And it, it essentially found what, what they're calling like a, a you know, a, a substrate for, for memory in, in the muscles. So before I explain how that works, I want to just like take a little sidebar and like background info, right? So cell, cells are made up of lots of different things. One of those things is is the nucleus of the cell, right? It's kind of like the control center, the whatever, that has the DNA information in it. Power, you know, con- control center of the cell. Mitochondria is the, now, is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> correct. And the Classic nucleus textbook. is the, is the uh, yeah, command center. That's, that's probably the textbook explanation. Now, muscle cells are really cool because they have many nuclei, right? That there's, there's lots of nucleuses, which nucleuses is not the word. It's nuclei. I know that, um, but I said it wrong anyway. Many nuclei in a muscle cell. And so what happens is a muscle cell will get, you know, it will get big and, and muscles will grow a certain amount based on how many nuclei they are. Cause each nucleus, you know, oversees its own little portion. But when that portion gets to a certain size, what actually happens is the muscles need more nuclear. They're called myonuclei, the muscle cells, nucleuses. Um, the myonuclei, it needs more of them to get bigger, right? Because, you know, at, at a certain point, there's only so much, so much that each nucleus can control. Right. And so when you train for the first time, what happens is that these these other cells that, that kind of come and they, they fuse with the muscle cells and the, the nuclei from these other cells actually get integrated into the muscle cells, right? Okay. So they, they, they like donate their myonuclei to mm. the muscle cells. And that means that the muscle cells can then get bigger because all of a sudden there's more nuclei, so there's more room for expansion. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense so that far? Makes sense. Is, yeah. is it... Because this seems to be like, oh, the more DNA you have in a cell, the bigger it is. And that was kind of the the point of making bigger watermelons and stuff, right? They would stop a cell during mm. its division so that there was double the amount of DNA in every single cell. And that made all the oh. cells bigger, which made the watermelons bigger. So is this kind of like a mm. similar idea? The more DNA yeah. you have in your muscle cells, the bigger they are. Well, because there's more, that, like, if you think about it, the, the, the DNA is, is what essentially instructs the protein synthesis that builds the thing. So the more the more DNA you have and the more of these control centers, the more places we can be like, right, we need to build some muscle. And so it, yeah, yeah, yeah it gets that bigger. Makes sense. So what we thought for a very long time up until this study is that when our muscles shrink, when we stop training, that these these myonuclei were dying off as the muscle shrank because that that made sense right if the muscles are going back to their puny little weenie size you know the the extra myonuclei are probably dying what this study actually found is that they don't die these my oh. so we train the first time we get all these extra myonuclei we get swole then we stop training we shrink but we still have that extra myonuclei in our muscles so then when we retrain 
we pretty much skip that whole step of having to get these extra cells that donate their nuclei and synthesize and fuse and do it. We, we skip that. We go straight to the let's just bulk straight back up again, right? right. And yeah. so that, yeah, so this study was like it was done in mice um, and we haven't because it's once again it's it's this whole issue of you can't really just take muscle tissue from humans and have a look at what's happening um right. so you know we don't necessarily have confirmation that this is exactly what's happening in humans however it is still like it, it makes sense intuitive 10 years right? later it's still like the leading sort of hypothesis in terms of this is why this happened because it's well documented that it happens yeah um and there was also i read a study that was in humans that was looking at their epigenetic effects as well like so epigenetics is like so genetics is, is, you know, you look at your DNA and and you read out the, the, you know, sequence of letters of your DNA and that's your blueprint or whatever. But epigenetics is like, it doesn't change the actual DNA sequence, but it changes what's like expressed, right? It's like how you read that sequence. So if, you, if you've well, got like a paragraph of words. Like yeah. Yeah. It's like. You know, I was going to say if you've got like a paragraph of words, like all the letters are still the same, but like the punctuation might be different sort of thing. Like how it's, you know, how you take those genes and express those genes and and what happens with them is epigenetics. And yeah, it was saying like exercise causes these like epigenetic changes that persist. The study looked up to seven weeks after stopping training and these these epigenetic changes persisted even up to in the skeletal muscle, even up to seven weeks after so, you know, there, there are actually changes in the muscle that persist. So like, you know, hitting the gym and then stopping, you know, if you've stopped or if you have an injury, like I know a lot of athletes get really, you know, can, can suffer like depression and, you know, feel really anxious if they get an injury and they can't train because they're going to lose all their gains. You know, the science actually suggests that, you know, taking breaks every so often you know, you actually recover so much quicker that, you know, at the end of a certain period of time, even someone who trained consistently and someone who took a couple of little breaks will more or less end up at the same point Mm. because, yeah, because our muscles remember, I say in quotation marks, um, that they used to be bigger and stronger and, you know, have more mass and, and therefore they're able to get that back more easily than before i imagine so, it's similar yeah. to like uh how i'm kind of picturing it is like if an obese person like loses a bunch of weight and they end up with all of this like really saggy skin on their body where it used to be filled out with fat and it's gone back away like the skin doesn't completely shrink back along with the size of the the thing that mass that got added to there is still there so like with the muscles even though they've shrunk away they've still got all those additional um cell mm, additional machinery what, that that are still there. So if the uh obese person were to fill themselves back out again um you know the skin would kind of just fall back into place you know um hmm. so does that mean you have like i don't know baggy muscles do your muscles have extra mass even when you've lost it just because they've got all of these little tiny uh I don't, nuclear I boys don't floating around in there i don't know as far as i could tell just from the stuff that i read it's yeah because you know we we do see that the muscles i mean they grow and then they shrink and and you know it's quite noticeable that when you stop training they shrink and that's why for so long we we assumed that 
these extra myonuclei were dying because we, we know that, you know, these muscles, they undergo something called apoptosis, which is essentially like self-destruction. It's, it's super hardcore, but it's, it's, it's where the cell dies. It like self-destructs and, and, and dies. And, and apoptosis happens within skeletal muscle, inactive skeletal muscle when it, when it was doing all the stuff and then it stopped doing all the stuff, stuff dies in it and it shrinks. Mm. And we just assumed that part of that death was were, were these extra little myonuclei, um, but but they don't, and so that means you know because we've got these extra little, you know, machinery like so I guess it, it's like, so it's like okay here's here's going to be my really really twenty twenty uh, <laughs> analogy here. We bought a whole bunch of extra like respirators and stuff and invested in a whole bunch of extra things for ICU units and hospitals when COVID first hit. We were like, okay, we're going to brace ourselves for lots of people ending up in hospital and we're going to buy all this extra machinery and we're going to fit out the hospitals and we're going to be ready. Then, you know, it settled down and and we we dropped right off and we were all good. Um, then, you know, we're kind of having a bit of a second wave over here mm. in Victoria. But you know what? Well, we're already kind of first. ready for it. Well, continuation of the first, but it's kind of like, let, let's say for argument's sake, it's a second wave or we're, we're hitting a second peak. The hospitals are already fitted out with this extra machinery. We didn't mm. go and sell mm. the respirators to America or somewhere that needed them more. We kept them yeah. just in case. And and now if if things get really bad again, we'll be ready to handle it. And just like our muscles, you know, if if we start stressing them again, we start exercising again, we get ready again, all that extra little machinery ready to like help build excess muscle to help deal with the exercise, it's already there. It's ready. It's fitted out. It's ready to go. Um, and so we get bigger quicker. It's amazing what the body remembers. Yeah, yeah. That blew because when when I first read the question, when I first got the email and read the question, like the neuroscientist in me was like, oh yeah, it's definitely a neural thing because I knew all about this like storage of like motor patterns and stuff in the brain, and I was like, yeah, it's not the muscles don't have memory. That's dumb. Uh, but then I actually did some research and I was like, oh, the muscles actually do have memory. That's cool. Matt, when you mentioned the like when when an obese person loses weight, you made me think mm. of the memory that we have ab- around weight, um, which is, I guess, kind of like you know the opposite. Um, mm. You know, we're talking about athletes who, or you know, people who work out, they lose their muscle mass, but they can gain it back really quickly. Um, yeah. People who lose weight, like even the, if you go on an extreme diet, or like you know, if you go on any diet and you lose a whole lot of weight. Even a year later, you've still got raised levels of hormones that are trying to put back that weight on you. So, um, oh wow, you know your body mm. was like, oh, but I was this weight, and so this is normal. Like, so that's this why is so unhealthy that you're losing weight. Who, um, like, even though you know people it's who go on massive thing. diets can like, it's so easy for them to put the weight back on mm, yeah. afterwards once they stop. Just that's why crash dieting doesn't work. It really your, doesn't. Uh, You've kind of set your your default to be whatever mm. this unhealthy state is. The body um, remembers. Because well, our, our bodies, the body's yeah, the body remembers and muscle memory. Like, as far as the body's concerned, it has one job, and that is to maintain some level of homeostasis, which is just like some level of balance and like normal functioning. And you know, when you kind of you're at that level of functioning, you know, no matter whether we're talking about the muscular system, the nervous system, the immune system, whatever 
you know, our body kind of gets used to being where it's at and, and tries to keep it there. And then if anytime we do something to tr- that drastically changes that our body's going to like fight h- as hard as it flipping can against it mm. to like rein us back to what it considers, you know, normal good Whether to that's the uh, betterment or detriment of our goals at any mm, particular yeah. time, that's completely circumstantial. Yeah. Well, there you go. Interesting stuff, hey. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that feels like a pretty good spot to maybe wrap it up for this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, coming on board, Catriona. Um, if people wanted to... Um, People want to find you in places outside of this podcast. Yeah, people where want might to they find look? you. What's your address? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, if they found your address, they wouldn't legally be allowed to come anywhere. Yeah, because you're lockdown. in lockdown. Well, I was going to say, you can figure out what postcode I'm in. <laughs> no, since we can't physically stalk you, how do we stalk you online? Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at KatrionaNR. Um, so that's just my name. And then on Instagram. And I've started a YouTube channel as well where I sing songs about science. Um, it's so good. Oh, thank it you. It is. I've watched it. <laughs> Sorry, I've watched I just love there. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I sent Matt the COVID-19 um, little bop that yeah, you put out. I liked out. it. I liked it a lot. It gets stuck in your and head. And everyone will like it. Go listen oh, to it, it does. everyone. Yeah, um, it, it'll get stuck in your head. But where can yeah. we find this, this wonderful YouTube uh, channel that we keep talking about? <laughs> so that name is Neuroscientist, but... Um, the neuro is actually spelt with my surname as opposed to me being a neuroscientist, which I'm not. Um, yeah, which I am. Yeah. <laughs> I just, there we need go. to swap names because yeah. yours is a better pun for my, you know. I, I need to swap fields. I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, that, but that doesn't help me. If we swap <laughs> names, then I win, right? Um, so, how would you spell that? N Y U R O scientist. Cool. You can follow Catriona at all of those places. And if you want to follow us and find us, you can find us at Curiosity Rat on Twitter or Instagram or Curiosity Killed the Rat, a Facebook page. I was going to say a Facebook page on Facebook. I don't know where else you'd find a Facebook page. Uh, it was almost Google. a dumb thing to say. I was going to say Google. Uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, all of those things. Um, and you can listen to us on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud. What am I forgetting? Apple Podcasts. Um, Wishka is, is, yeah, anyway. And if you want to email in a listener question, if you loved our little listener question today and you're like, oh, you know what? I have a question that I can't be bothered doing the research for and I want to, like, you know, make someone else do that work for me, send it to me. Send it to us, curiosityrat at gmail.com, and I will do all the blood, sweat, and tears research and answer it for you in a future episode. So, you know, do that if you feel like it. Um, (laughs) But thanks again, Katriona. We had a great time. Hope you had a great time, and I hope our listeners had a great time listening to us. Um, Catch you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Curiosity killed the rat. Kate and Matt talk science with their guest cat. Chatting about how exercise affects immunity. A super important topic for the athletic community. After you do exercise, is your immune system suppressed? Or perhaps if you're a cancer patient, is working at its best? So much information covering different sports. A change in the immune system is what studies report. Curiosity killed the rat. Science just 
like